Hello, welcome to Anywhere's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And today, uh, we are not talking about the Emmys because Ben made a very special request that we not talk about the Emmys because Ben has maybe been talking about the Emmys a little too much. It's been been a long week since the Emmys came out, and it's only been a day. Ben is a little tired. Ben is tired, so we're not going to talk about the Emmys. We're not going to talk about any television relevant to the semi-cycle. Instead, we're going to talk about new television. New television coming out right now. Specifically, new political television, uh, which is very exciting, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But Ben has Ben has watched a very mysterious, very exciting, uh, very new Showtime program called Who is America? Yeah, I'm, I, I think the question of whether or not our listeners have even heard of this show at this point on Monday after it came out will tell us a lot about the show in and of itself um, and, and whether or not it's successful. Um, for anybody who is kind of in the dark, a brief summary is that I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, um, Showtime released a short teaser video saying that they wanted to be promoting a new show they had coming out, but they were contractually obligated not to. They weren't allowed to do it. So the trailer didn't say anything about what the show was. It just said there's a new show coming. It's going to hit July 15th, and we wish we could talk about it. Um, Eventually, uh, it came out that it was Sasha Baron Cohen of Borat and Ali G fame uh, had created a new TV show. He'd been working on it for over a year. And uh, it was called Who is America? And the only thing that the teaser and confirmation confirmed was that I think Dick Cheney was in it. Was was like an interview subject in it. Um, I don't... In, in was, the original text trailer, there was nothing to, you know, confirm... Nothing confirmed about what this was. All, all The literal only clue as to it, that fact that it might have anything to do with Trump was that the it was going to be, quote-unquote, huge... Well, that was the one that didn't give the title, though. That was the one that didn't right. talk about what it was. The the Once they announced that it was a Sasha Baron Cohen TV show and they gave us the title of the show, they released a teaser that had uh, Dick Cheney in it. Okay. So Sorry, was, my apologies. Uh, so that was, that was kind of all we had going on, and then we knew again it was coming out uh, soon. <laughs> Uh, on, on the 15th, and uh, let's see, as you're listening to this, last week on Wednesday, the day before the Emmy nominations came out, Showtime invited uh, journalists and a few random uh, just consumers, guests, visitors, to watch the first two episodes, and I'm still under embargo about what happens in the second episode, uh, but I was able to time the review to get it up for the premiere, which was technically Sunday at midnight, so... 12 a.m. Sunday morning, it started streaming on Showtime's on-demand service and uh, Showtime.com or Showtime Anytime, whatever their streaming services called these days. Right. Um, Showtime- but yeah, it's it's out now. You can watch it however you want to watch it as long as you have Showtime. And I assume slash hope that there are some clips coming out as well because... The gist of this show is that he is playing 
more than four different characters that he's created in the vein of Borat and Ali G, uh, where he puts on a, a different disguise, has a different accent, um, uses you know different mannerisms, and has a completely different persona. Uh, and he goes around and he interviews people based on you know whatever fake background he's created. Um, so the subjects in his in the first episode include Bernie Sanders. Um, he talks to a bunch of, uh, of various congressmen, uh, but the, the characters he creates are purposefully designed to kind of represent an, a, a certain aspect of America taken to an extreme. So there's a, there's a really conservative conspiracy theorist who runs a website called Truth Brary, Truth Brary, like library, but truth. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> he, he keeps... He'll defend Donald Trump a lot. He he rides these stories about, um, you know, uh, I can't remember what he was talking to Bernie about, to be honest with you. But he he he's he's very extreme, trying to provoke Bernie into a, a debate, and Bernie cannot be provoked. But then he goes to the other side of it. He's he plays this very liberal um, man named Mork Thompson, who introduces himself as. I identify as a cisgender white heterosexual male, for which I apologize. Um, he wears an NPR t-shirt. He has, like, a ponytail. He's got, like, a very big protruding gut, like, that does it, that's kind of disproportionate to the rest of his body. Um, so he's a kind of a strange-looking man, and he goes to dinner with these two conservative people in Georgia and just kind of tells them about his life, and they're obviously turned off by it, but trying to listen to him. Um, and he's, he has more characters like this, but basically he's trying to, to me, it seems like the purpose of the show is to show kind of how, you know, split we actually are and then to expose kind of the, the hidden embarrassments and foibles and just utter blackness of certain subjects' souls. Uh, by either playing into or playing against their expectations. And he has, he, he has this with varying success, but I'm very curious what the conversation's going to be. There's been a lot of... There, we've been forbidden to talk about it, uh, you know, until that embargo came up, so uh, by now, I'm sure Sunday and Monday, there's been a ton of posts, and hopefully you've read something about it already, and this was just a very long-winded introduction, but... I think there's going to be a lot of different opinions. Mine was very much of the, I don't know how effective this is going to be. It definitely doesn't all work, but certain parts of it are absolutely scathing. Um, I think that other people will just hate it, and I think other people will love it, and I think most of all, it's going to keep playing to the liberal base, and then the conservatives will just dismiss it as another liberal voice trying to make fun of them. All right. Well, Benjamin... Uh, I, I have a couple questions for you and that you're going to be able to answer without the fear of the embargo because, you know, we're going to post this af on Monday morning. Uh, first off, uh, is it funny? Parts of it are funny, but the... And he, he does... If he, if he gets frustrated with his subjects or not even if he gets frustrated, if they just don't kind of give him what he was hoping they'd give him, uh, then he'll play into some very easy humor. He'll make some, he'll like kind of play up his accent or ignorance to coax them into making a dick joke or just talk about something really disgusting to talk about something disgusting. Um, 
And that can be funny for some people. There's other stuff that's funny, but it also is just so appalling that it's you're laughing and you also just hate the fact that this exists. So, um, kind of, but not as much as it should be. Interesting. Okay, to, to be clear, by the way, uh, you have seen this. I have not. Uh, I, so uh, that is why I'm asking, legitimately asking these questions. The other question I have to ask you is, do you feel like you learned anything? Um, not learned anything. That that's another aspect of it that's tough. Like there, there's a scene. There's a there's a sequence in the first episode in which he basically makes this. He's playing kind of a pro-gun, ex-Israeli military guy who comes to America and and tries to like he meets with a gun lobbyist. The gun lobbyist gives him. Um, he he kind of woos the gun lobbyist and you know convinces him he's on the same size, and then they kind of support the same ideas. So then he gets to meet a bunch of congressmen, and what he gets them to say and do is is shocking to me that they would be dumb enough to go on camera and do it, uh, especially because he makes it very clear. That's plenty of people when presented with the idea said, no way, why would I ever do that? And then these select group of people said, yes, absolutely, I'd support this really terrible, crazy idea. Um, so in, in that sense, it's like I learned something specific about these Congress people, but a lot of the time he's punching down and you're just kind of wallowing in some of the stuff that you already know. Like if he, he goes to a small town in Arizona... Um, actually, that might be an episode two. I don't know if I can talk about that. Um, All right, ignore that. But he 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 has some subjects where it's clear that it doesn't have an impact outside of what we're watching, like outside of the fact that we're watching them be made fun of and make fools of themselves. It's like okay, but that doesn't really apply beyond that, other to show that it exists in a way, mm-hmm. and we already know it exists. So that's where the the kind of iffy line comes in. Well, I think you just said something really key right there, which is the question of punching up versus punching down, because in some respects you would think that any show that is taking aim at conservative political figures is always going to be punching up because they they are in power right now. But do you feel like that's not the case in this situation? Because who's in power right now? Conservative political leaders... Like, I mean, even if Mike Huckabee is not in office right now, he is still, like, you know, his team is still winning. Yeah, I don't, I, well, it's a thing. Like, I don't, I don't really have a problem with anything against the, the public figures, especially the electic, elected officials who, what he's asking them to do is actually part of their, like, legislation. It'd, it'd be part of their beliefs. It'd be part of something they'd want to act upon on behalf of other people, and that is something that, you know, he needs to expose. So, so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just there's, there's aspects of, of people you don't know. It's not all, like, you know, public I mean, figures. That, that, that's, I think, I guess, my question, because, I, I haven't, because, again, I haven't seen it. Like, how much of it is, is it all, is it all like, public figures, or are there, like, normal civilians who just happen to have certain beliefs in the mix? Yeah, it's both. It's it's All very right. much both. Okay. Yeah, that can be problematic. I mean, just in general, like as we've seen recently with uh, you know this uh, case of the 
you know, plain bay going viral on Twitter. And, you know, this woman being, the woman who was involved in that being like, hey, please don't involve me in this mess. Like, you know, it's not, you know, being, being on, being on television for, or being just publicly available on, on screens isn't something that, you know, should be necessarily assumed to be a, a good thing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting in the sense that he's he's made a name for himself in 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 the past. Uh, you know, I'm thinking specifically of Borat. You know, more so than his than some of his other characters in, you know, not necessarily going after public figures and not necessarily going after anyone in particular, but just you know, meeting with people and, and bringing up things that were kind of hidden under the ground. And, you know, what happens in Borat, if that same idea happens today, we're not going to be as shocked by it because we're living in a state that's already been exposed to some of the, the atrocities that, that people will support. Like, we're, like, uh, one of the points that I made in the in the review was just that when someone like myself who considers themselves more liberal watches these videos i think wow there's no way anybody could ignore this and say this is fake or say or apologize for this person or make an excuse for them it's like they're done they've got to be kicked out of office but that's the same kind of thing we said when the trump tape came out about you know when he was on the access hollywood bus we we're like there's no way anybody would watch this and vote for this guy and and people will forgive a lot of stuff so um, as long as they're in line with their politics or as long as they're, you know, coerced in the right way, I, I, I don't know how much of this is going to have the effect that it could, even with the public figures instead of the, the people who just represent a swath of the American people. Then what are you talking about? It was just locker room talk. It was totally fine. Uh, I, I can't even, uh, no, I'm sorry. <sighs> Why is everything bad? I mean, it's a, that's also a good question, Liz. Um, and I mean, I, I think that, that in television these days, you know, we look at a lot of shows and we say, and we try to draw attention to them and say, like, they're proving this, this very basic point or they're illustrating this really important idea or, you know, this is relevant because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so much of that applies to what he's breaking down in this show, but at the same time, it's it's almost like we're just exhausted by it at this point and we know what bad is out there and we just have to draw a line and it's it's a little less stunning to see it in this context i guess yeah oh god i mean i think i think honestly at this point like the question become is is increasingly becoming like what is the american appetite for political shows at this at the at all like how much stomach do we have for them? Yeah, and it's it's a question that's faced a lot of shows that even are associated with it. Like this one is very overtly, you know, uh, taking political stances or bring, bringing up political issues, um, you know, bringing up like drawing attention to the divisiveness within our country. Uh, but there's shows that just kind of become associated with it because of the climate we're in, and even those can suffer if people feel like it you know it hits too close to home a lot of discussions surrounding the handmaid's tale relate to you know how much do people respect it versus how much they actually watch it 
Um, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of evidence to the contrary and that more people are watching it than we thought. But, you know, it's, it's still hard to say when they hide the numbers. And it's still something uh, to consider that, you know, if we were in a different time, that, that it wouldn't be as an effective, as, as effective of a show, perhaps. Uh, but maybe people would be able to stomach it, or if we weren't in the time, just people would more people would watch it. Like years from now, maybe if things are better, they can look back and go through this with a little bit, a little bit easier than if they watched it while it was happening. Um, it's it's something that's that's surrounding television in a lot of shapes and forms, uh, no matter how you come to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with just what you're willing to take in on your own time, like how much of this are you engaged with when you're not watching TV? Because if you're engaged with a lot of it, then it's going to bleed through into what you're watching, even if you're trying to get away from it. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, when it comes to, when it comes to stuff like The Handmaid's Tale, I mean, we're trying to figure out, like, at this stage, also, I think, you know, d dealing directly with political issues versus tangentially dealing with them. Um... I just finished watching the because this is this is something that comes up in the latest season of Orange Is the New Black, which I just finished watching, and I will have far more thoughts on it soon. Um, but one issue uh, worth mentioning is that uh, God bless it, uh, it brings in uh, immigration issues in a very direct, blunt way because. Quite honestly, that show does not have, know how to do things in a non-blunt way, which, you know, I respect in some respects. But, uh, yeah, uh, in this case, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell when this, this actual storyline got introduced, but uh, the fact that it's a part of the season finale is a very, is a very clear indicator that they are paying attention to the news. And... I don't know. I just, it, it, I, I prefer my. I guess I prefer my political commentary maybe more in the form of metaphor. I don't know if that's a bad thing. That's probably a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's it's. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. It's one of those. It's one of the aspects of knowing what's healthy for you and knowing what your limitations are in terms of like how much you can take in and how you can take it in. Like, you don't want to become overwhelmed by everything that's going on to the point where you're rendered inert, um, but you also don't want to be totally disconnected. And if something is very clearly a metaphor, or if it's just kind of alluding to broader ideas, and that's something that kind of allows your mind to either, you know, have clarity over what's going on, or to just, you know, remain engaged without getting over-engaged, uh, then that's great. That's what it's designed for. It's just a matter of um, you know, recognizing that it exists and, and knowing yourself, but I, I agree, I mean, I, I really think that a lot of that stuff can be effective as long as people who are watching it have an open mind, um, and again, I, I don't know how much TV actually makes a difference in, in these very specific terms, I know it has a lot of power over people, um, in terms of, you know, like, the news that they're watching and, and just what they're surrounding themselves with in general, but in terms of like all these shows that are trying to make a difference, it's tough to gauge which ones really are. Yeah, there's a good quote about um, the power of storytelling in television that I cannot find right now, but it was good. It was a good quote. This is a very useful uh, bit of uh, podcasting information for everyone listening. Uh, but yeah, 
Ah, God. It, it would be really nice if TV could solve our problems, if TV was the thing that could really, really actually truly unite us, because I feel like maybe, like, do you feel like at one point TV could, like, you know, in the MASH era, the Friends era, the 20 million people watching one episode at one time era, like, do you feel like it could have had that kind of impact? I still think it has that kind of impact, just not in the way that a lot of the shows want. Like, I think it has the impact of of, of bringing people together over common ground, but the second you find out that, you know, the person who also likes the leftovers voted for Trump, you're not going to like that person anymore. Like, it, it, that's the divisive nature that we're in. And I still think TV has the power to change people's minds, I just don't know on what scale. And this, this is kind of the caveat and the thing I kept struggling with when I was actually writing the review for Who is America... If this thing makes any difference, if this thing gets, you know, these terrible people who are willing to support terrible bills kicked out of office, then it should win a fucking Peabody, and it should be considered one of the best shows of the year. Like, if it has an actual effect on the midterm elections, it, it deserves praise for that because uh, it, it, it's made a difference, and that's what it was trying to do, and, and you know, nitpicking... Uh, whether or not that would work and whether or not it was funny and whether or not it was good entertainment and whether or not there were, you know, effective jokes or strategies being employed, you know, all that still holds up by judging it as a television show. But if it is actually able to accomplish more than that, then we need to respect that accomplishment. There's just no way of knowing that right now, and there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical over whether that will happen. That's very fair. God, I almost got teary when you were like, if it, if it, if it actually manages to change people's minds... Uh, maybe just, I want people's minds to change. Also, really, do you think that people who voted for Trump watch The Leftovers? Uh, I, I don't put anything past anybody. I don't know. I doubt it. I have no idea. Yeah, fair. I mean... They don't follow Damon on Instagram, I can tell you that much. They don't, you think? No. I mean, I think, I, I think honestly, that's part of one of the saddest things about you know, the political climate of today, quote-unquote, is that, you know, there we're all off in silos. Like, you don't feel... I, I, I don't feel comfortable following someone on Twitter who or who is an active Trump supporter, but maybe they have something interesting to say about a show I like. I don't know. They probably don't. Well, uh, well that's the other thing. It's just... it's It goes back to what you're saying about kind of protecting yourself and knowing your limitations. If... if something's a trigger for you, then you've just got to avoid it so you can maintain, you know, whatever you're trying to do in your life, whether it's just, you know, getting up and getting out of bed and going to work or whether it's, uh, you know, going to protests and staying active and, and keeping up the fight. Like, you just, you kind of have to protect yourself these days and everybody's got a different trigger and everybody's going to have something that sets them off that may not set somebody else off. That's part of the fun on a very small scale of what you talk about television, but when these political topics are brought into the television sphere, then it blows things up into a nasty way that, you know, again, emulates the divisive uh, feeling we're, we're all going through across the country. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a tough world out there, Ben. It sure is, Liz. But you know what? There is still good TV. There is. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and ask you. What was the best thing you watched last week? The best thing I watched last week, Liz, was Castle Rock. Hey! Uh, really, A lo really, the long-awaited Castle Rock. Really, really like Castle Rock. It's a good show. 
It's going to be on Hulu near the end of the month. Uh, it's premiering at Comic-Con this coming Saturday? Friday? I don't remember. Um, time time is a flat circle. Right. Um, but no, it's, it's really good. It's, it's got a, a stellar cast of some of your favorite supporting TV actors. Who are some there. of my favorite supporting actors, Ben? I mean, there's Andre Holland, there's Melanie Linsky, uh, there's, there's Bill Skarsgård, there's Scott Glenn, speaking of The Leftovers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch that keep popping out of nowhere, and then you've got people like Sissy Spacek, who are just, you know, I mean, she was great in Bloodline, but she's obviously not just a TV star, nor just a supporting she has, star. She has maybe been some films. <laughs> right, right. Uh, nor are they either that, but it's just that everybody's getting more of a spotlight uh, from people who you wanted to have more of a spotlight. And, you know, Castle Rock is uh, based in the Stephen King multiverse, I think is how they're describing it, because Castle Rock is a town that he used in a bunch of different novels that he wrote, um, either as a setting or a reference point. And uh, this is an original story told within that town, that also kind of references other King stuff. So there's a lot of Easter eggs going on, but I love the core story. I think the core story and the characters they've built are just instantly gripping people and, you know, very well brought to life by this cast. So anyway, I, I'm not a huge King person. I really like some of the stuff he's done, really don't like some of the stuff he's done, but uh, I think this show's just great, so. You know what? I Maybe this is our next podcast, which is good because we need a top, topic for our next podcast. Um... But I, I, I feel like the topic of the Stephen King cinematic universe is definitely something that we should explore. Um, yes, if anybody should talk about Stephen King films, it's us. Yes, the, the two people who watch them the least. Yep, pretty much. But, but, uh, I, uh, but I, you've watched Castle Rock. I plan to watch Castle Rock, so it'll work, it'll work out. That's, there are connections there. Um, yep. But... Uh, Liz, what about you? What was the best thing you saw last week? Well, I guess honestly, I mean, the, the the most the, the thing I really dug into the most was Orange is the New Black, uh, those latest seasons, season six. Um, it will premiere at the end of the month. I will be running a review this Monday. Um, yeah, that show is. It is. I, I'm calling it as the best thing I watched last week. That said. Yeah, these pauses aren't deliberate. These are pauses where I'm literally like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. The The shortest version is that there's good stuff. There's there's nice character beats. Um, but it, it's a weird show because, like, after six years, they have this major stable of ca characters that they're trying to all serve. They're trying to service in some small, at least in some small way. Um, but then, you know, they, they're trying to introduce new blood and trying to keep things fresh. And some of it works, some of it doesn't. I, this is this is what happens when I talk about a show where I'm reviewing it and my review's due on Monday and I just finished watching it last night. So I you you guys you guys are hearing the process. The process is happening right now where I'm just still figuring out like how I actually feel about it. Which is like some of it was good, some of it was bad. Uh what it what I feel on balance, 
probably more good towards bad. That's that's my summation. How much longer do you think it should go? Well, that's a really interesting question because okay, here would be here. Here is what I I say. Um, here's what I say about that. Uh, if they had introduced two or three really standout, strong new characters in this season, I would say it could go on for at least, like, seasons eight or nine. It did not okay. do that. Um, and some of the characters clearly have run their course, if only because the actors are very clearly like, I want out of here, I want to you know, become uh, another, oh, I want to go on to any other, another show or another film or something like that. Like, it has a, such an amazing ensemble that you can't blame them for wanting to move on to new things. Um, so, yeah, it, if they had introduced the kind of new blood that would keep the show going on for a couple more seasons, I would say it should go on for a couple more seasons. But this was the year to do it, and I don't think they did it. They did it. Yeah. That's that's interesting. It's it's definitely one where I'm tracking it more through your reviews and uh, the Emmys than engaging with it myself. But it 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 feels like it's one that kind of every year inches a little bit closer toward an ending, like toward toward feeling like it should be just wrapping it up instead of drawing it out. Um, yeah. So the the most important thing is that this year I feel no in no need to come into our office and pace back and forth and cry and try to explain to you what happens at the end of the season. Uh, which is what did happen at the end of season four. So Yeah, that's good. That's an improvement. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. I think, I think it was better that I had that kind of extreme emotional reaction to the end of season four as opposed to how I felt at the end of season five, six, six, this is six, where it's like, yeah, that happened. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, there there's some stuff. There's some tough stuff that happens, but it's still not on the same level. Anyways, uh, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, next thing I'm looking forward to is uh, a little show called Snowfall. It's coming back hey. for coming back for season two on Thursday. Uh, it's an FX drama. John Singleton's a, a big powerhouse in it as well as a couple other uh, pretty good writers and I was a little disappointed in where season one what season one did overall but it 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 has a lot of promise and it has a lot of great actors and it has some, a pretty good story structure that just kind of needs to fine tune and, and um, that's something that you can do in a second season so I'm looking forward to seeing this cast come back um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you know, kind of what story they want to keep telling and if they're able to kind of amp things up to the right degree. Um, it was never a bad show. It never really did a lot of things that were, you know, noticeably wrong. It just seemed to kind of draw things out a little bit too much and slow down a little bit too much, and uh, it didn't quite have uh, a strong enough impact um, when, it, when it was first released. So I'll be curious to see what they do with Season 2. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I have always liked the, the setting and the idea behind it. Uh, so we shall see. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Singleton as a director? 
I, I've always liked Singleton as a director. Um, he's always somebody that when I talk to other directors, they really like him. They really respect what he's doing. Um, so that's that's always kind of something that sticks in my mind. Um, and I, I enjoy what he does behind the camera, too. I think as a producer, he's kind of got a little bit of a film mindset going on, which could hurt a TV show. Like, a, he doesn't you know, necessarily know how to speed things up and structure it so that it's as tight as it possibly could be, as opposed to just seeing it as a wider canvas to sit with people. Um, but as a director, I really like him. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Liz, what are you looking forward to next? Um, well, a Originally, I was planning on doing a massive deep dive binge into the show Winona Earp, um, and I was all, all, all was like on the starting gun la earlier this week, and then Ben, you came to my rescue and reminded me that I didn't have to do that because the show premieres next week. So I still have a season and a half of that show to watch because I'm only on season uh, episode eight, uh, but. I'm looking forward to finishing it. I'm looking forward to finishing this uh, weirdo uh, sci-fi show uh, with strong female characters and to pardon pardon the cliche and uh, good humor. Uh, a lot of people wear tank tops is what I can say right now, and I approve of tank tops. Tank tops are good. Everyone should wear tank tops this summer. Tank tops are nice. I mean, it is. It is. That is the summer. I mean, it's hot. Yeah. Gotta, gotta go with the flow. Yeah, I mean, just, but especially on television, tank tops, I'm saying, like, uh, there's literally a video I recommended a, a couple weeks ago where it's just like, I don't think this is a good video necessarily, but one of the people in this is wearing a tank top, and it's a really good tank top for him, so A+. plus. Yeah, by all means. Yeah. Ben, do you wear a lot of tank tops? No, I think I own one tank top. Really? Just the one? Yeah, and I I bought that because I basically had a like a butt, short sleeve button down that I needed something to go under. Sure. So that's about as much as I go with. I I love uh, kind of the undershirt tank top, the wife beater, if you will. Yes. The A tank, if you want to be a little more the, appropriate the, about it. The ride out with special, if you will. Precisely. Yeah, but the the problem with those in the summer is they're too hot. Like they're not designed to keep you cool. They're designed to keep you warm. So really. Um, yeah, it was a little bit, a little bit of a, of a misrepresentation in the OC because you know, he wears them around a lot in hot weather and that's not really what they're there for. Right. Fair enough. I mean, um, I'm just, I'm, I just really, I'm, I'm just sad you don't have a, a tank top that says, uh, sun's out, guns out. You know, I thought about buying it literally the second 22 Jump Street came out, um, because I had so much respect for that film and Channing Tatum, obviously, uh, but I just... The ones I've seen don't quite fit the vibe that I want. Uh, they're either the wrong cut or they just don't look like the one in the movie, so I'm, I'm waiting. All right. I, I will say for... I, I feel like I should expose my own tank top-ness, which is that I like tank tops. Uh, I wear a fair, a fair amount of them, but I like them under cardigans, so it's like... It's not quite, I guess, the same thing. Well, you know, I mean, however you want to wear them. Yeah. The point is, they are useful. 